Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. Now it's time for a Spotlight Star Wars with your host, Ken Knapsack. Welcome to another episode of Spotlight Star Wars, episode 147 for this show. And wow, can you believe it? We are racing towards episode 1000 of Four Center. Just the overall feed, 1000 broadcasts are on the way. Uh, I, I can't wait to celebrate with all of you. Eh, muted, right? You know, Joseph and I, we, 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 we punch in, we punch out, we show up at the, at the Four Center factory, we have a good time. We don't want any balloons. We don't need the cake. Don't go down to the grocery store and get that cheap cake for an office party. We don't need it. We're going to celebrate with all of you. We got a special 1,000th episode coming, uh, and I can't confirm uh, as of right now. Scheduled, Jennifer Landon will be back in studio with us, and we're doing a special episode with her. And I also want to tease for uh, Four Center fans, uh, for Patreon supporters, an exclusive commemorative 1,000th Four Center episode poster designed by the great Brian Ward. It's on his way to you. I've seen it. We have it. And man, it looks good. We're just working out the details on how uh, best to get that out. Um, if it's going to be uh, available to all the listeners or just Patreon supporters first, uh, you know, we're working on that kind of stuff. We want you to celebrate with us in any way, shape, or form. And if you'd like a cool little poster, it is coming your way and more things. So uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, more details coming. It's just crazy. I'm in that reflective mood. It's, it's You look back and... We do a lot of episodes. We average right now four a week. So you're going to pile up the numbers. But six years, thousand episodes, most of them seem like yesterday. Some of them we don't even remember what we've done. It's kind of crazy. And we have uh, numbers can be weird. When, you, when you're tracking podcasts, people, some people ask, you know, Ken, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. What, what's the advice? And I'm like, well, you know, go in there, roll up your sleeves, do the show you want to do. Don't worry. If anyone is out there doing a similar show or it's just another Star Wars podcast, don't worry about that. Do your show. Tell your story. Uh, and pick up the broadcasting skills as you go along. And the equipment can improve as you go along. Just do it. Just start. And then also, make sure you accurately count your numbers. Uh, over the years, you look back and you'll be like, wow, I double counted that. An uh, episode 300 might actually have been episode 301 or episode 299. It happens... It's like Star Wars canon. Sometimes the, the, the edges blur and you just, it's a different version of a legend we've all heard. But I can confirm that this 1,000th episode is, is true. It's true by our records. And when I say our records, I, I, I shouted them out when we first got this list. But we're, and we'll, we'll probably shout them out on the uh, 1,000th episode. But uh, one of our listeners, one of our, our dear listeners, Simon Huffnagel, had, had reached out to me uh, via email and was like, hey, I, you know, some of the old Four Center episodes, the audio 
files are busted and broken. And unfortunately, we still have that issue. A lot of some of the older issues, I got a lot of the older uh, episodes, the, the same issue is there. Uh, 20 minutes in, the episode just kind of cuts off. It was a back end IT problem with Anchor, and it, it just never got fixed despite. High-end anchor. We needed Beaumont Ken. He's more of a historian, but he knows he knows all the facts. We we needed we needed Star Wars researchers to show on up and uh, dig in. It, it didn't happen. So Simon had reached out and said, "Look, I've been kind of tracking the episodes for my own thing, and so I I I, I have a I'll have a Google sheet for you if you if you like it. I'm just putting it together." I said, "Great." And he, that's he sent it to me, and it tracks the episodes that are broken, episodes that are working, and I've gone and updated the episodes that are fixed, and it's. Simon just did an amazing job and even found some of the little errors. I think, I think it's like four center nine. Like we're going main show number nine, number nine, number nine might actually be a repeat. So we, we count one as nine and a half. We recorded on the same day. So it, it's similar. It's similar. It works. You just got to go with it. But the, the episode 1000 is real. And that's the first time I really had paid attention to it. And looked at and we we did the estimation of, of when that episode will, will most likely be. We're going to record it a, a little bit ahead of time. And it was crazy. And it just, I've just been looking back and you go through the list, all the topics, the things we've ranked, the things we've debated, things we've wondered about, the things we've celebrated. It, it's, it's so much, but it's not a lot of time. It's not a lot of time. 2015 is a lifetime ago and it's also a blink of the eye. And for Star Wars fans, it's just been this wonderful, wonderful era of celebrating Star Wars, which is what we love doing here. And this show, Spotlight Star Wars, which began on my own uh, podcast feed, The Knapsack Files, as just a Saturday ramble. I just would get in front of a an old microphone I had and just ramble about my love of Star Wars. And uh, this was coming out of the days of uh, Jedi Alliance uh, not being in my um, uh, my routine anymore and in my career anymore. So uh, it's grown from that. And I just I used to always say that. And I say it now. It's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. And if you go back to 2015... And we go back to go back to 2012, even if we went, when when uh, the sale happened. But 20 late like late 2015 is when Force Center emerged. And if you go back and you start saying some of the names to me, like, "Hey, Ken, in 2021, you're going to be really excited about the return of this character." Boom. Now, I'm going to give some spoiler warnings right here, though. I think by now, either you've read the issues, you've seen the thumbnails on YouTube, or you just know. But a, a spoiler for the current Star Wars Marvel. Uh, event crossover event war of the bounty hunters i'm gonna talk about that uh, a little bit here and, and, and reveal some of the character stuff so if, if you haven't read and you want to get to it and you, and you haven't been spoiled yet or you don't know some stuff going on spoiler warning indeed but for the rest of us holy beep i love that kira is back i love the character of kira big fan of amelia clark you want to talk about someone you know, we've celebrity-obsessed culture is what it is. It's not going away. It's It's been here for, for generations now. And, and it's not all bad. It's definitely not all great. But there's definitely people out there that we put a lot of stock into, and we put a lot of support behind, and, and, and maybe in the end uh, they're not as deserving as that as we once thought. It, it can be disappointing. It can be challenging. Uh, fortunately, Star Wars is, uh, is generally, I think, without that. I think we're pretty fortunate. Going, going back even, uh, not everything's perfect. Not everyone's perfect. Uh, Carrie Fisher wasn't perfect, and, and we celebrated her for owning who she was, a complete 180-degree, a 360-degree, a 420-degree uh, uh, view of Carrie Fisher and who she was. And, and uh, Harrison Ford's had some uh, 
You know, I, I read The Princess Diarist and I go, yeah, all right, you know, you know, different time. Um, but I, I, generally speaking, I, I, we really are fortunate in Star Wars that the, the creators and the people that come on board and the people behind the scenes, uh, generally speaking, we can all support. But I really do believe in Amelia Clark. Uh, if you read about who she is and you follow her and you just see that infectious uh, smile and uh, and uh, uh, that contagious laugh and and you see her work that she does with her, her charity organization, organization, Same You, which is about uh, traumatic brain injuries, something she herself suffered at, uh, before season two of Game of Thrones and shot that whole season, uh, recovering from that and, and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, it, she's, she's a person we can get behind, I think, in the Star Wars galaxy. And I think that's part of the reason as well as just the character, and as well as the underrated nature of Solo, a Star Wars story, I think that's why the legend of Kira has grown, and, and we want more. We want more with Infus Nass. We want more Solo, right? We want a lot of that uh, that that era of uh, that group, even uh, not just the era, but just the, the characters and the cast. We want to celebrate more Star Wars with them. I think that's part of a large part of the reason behind the Make Solo Two stuff happened. Uh, started. Um, uh, you know, started in earnest by the, the resistance, resistance broadcast uh, team and Star Wars Newsnet team over there. So I, 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 I see where it all comes from. And I, I, I see a lot of, a lot of the energy and love uh, put into the character of Kira. So I was a little dubious and, and I'm always a little behind on the comics. I think as a right, as of last week, I was like caught up with the war of the bounty hunters. I think so. That means I'm about an issue or two behind uh, just is what it is when you're still holding on to buying uh, physical uh, copies of comic books, which is fun because when I do that, when I, when I go buy the physical copies of, of comic books at my shop, which for me, again, is Earth 2 in Northridge, uh, Northridge, California, uh, I'm able to discover things like the, the golden books, uh, that, I, that, that super golden book I picked up that is all the uh, Skywalker Saga golden books uh, in one. It's one of my greatest purchases ever as a Star Wars fan. That's why I love, love going to my shop, other than just to sp- support the local shop. But that puts me a little bit behind. But I finally caught up, and I, I when, when news broke, and, and I uh, was spoiled on the return of Kira, saw some YouTube thumbnails, and it is what it is. It's just, it is, this is the era we, we are, and I just got to manage. Uh, you know, you start to hear, that, hey, there's a character coming back. A lot of folks in the Force Center Discord do a great job of adding those uh, spoiler tags, and and uh, we, we all appreciate that. And, I, you know, I five, six years ago, knowing that a character returned in a comic it wouldn't have been a, as big issue for me as it is now. And it's not a, a grumpy issue. It's just something I try to avoid. Same with set photos and leaks and that kind of stuff. 2014, if you had a Force Awakens set photo, I was looking. I, you know, I just was so excited. I was so excited. Uh, but that's changed for me and it's changed for a lot of folks. So upon hearing uh, that Kira was returning and had made a surprise appearance in one of the War of the Bounty Hunter comic issues. I forget the specific one now. It might be the actual War of the Bounty Hunters. Um, number one, as everyone knows, it's Afro. It's the main line. It's Vader all rolled into one. And the Bounty Hunters uh, comic itself. I, I just was dubious. A little dubious. Like Larry David, uh, you know, Kirby, Kirby Enthusiasm. I sense in you're dubious. You're dubious. I love Kira, uh, the character of Kira. I've, I've done a, a solo Star Wars ranked on Kira. We talk about Kira all the time. I love Most Wanted by Ray Carson, which I think sheds some just amazing light and, and, and provides even more insight on Kira. And and uh, one of the those moments uh, with Han in Most Wanted is, is a moment I wrote about in my book, Why We Love Star Wars. 
But I just didn't know. I just wasn't sure. Part of the problem is I have, I have a little bit of an issue with uh, the Marvel comics. Issue meaning they get a little wild. We've talked about it here. Joseph and I don't really take a deep dive into them. We're a little behind. We'll catch up with the big ones. We like them. Everyone, every idea that pops up, like that sounds like a great little miniseries. We'll dig in and some are wonderful uh, and some don't hit the mark. And guess what? That's fine. I think Force Center uh, listeners don't hear Joseph and I just discuss things in Star Wars in a negative way in, in any way, shape, or form. But even to kind of say, ah, the comics aren't always for us. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe that might uh, rattle your cage a little bit. I don't know. So we just try to we, try, we kind of avoid it. And I'm not doing a full War of the Bounty Hunter review here. But I, again, I, I wasn't sure I wanted Kara back in this fashion. You know, I want Amelia Clark back. Whether it be Solo 2 or a... Uh, you know, uh, Kira versus Maul series, Emphasis Nest series, and or I don't care. Make it happen. Uh, I want to see Millie Clark back in the role. Love reading about her. Clearly, again, most wanted. Love that book. Ray Carson did an amazing job with the character. And I trust the Marvel comic writers. I, I really do think they they put some um, really talented people in, in in charge of them, both as uh, with the art and the the inking and the designs and and uh, just the the actual writing itself and and Charles Soule working on any Star Wars thing I'm going to be there for that as well. Again, I just I can't say it any other way. I just wasn't quite sure. Wasn't quite sure. But then I started getting some fresh perspective on what's going on in the War of the Bounty Hunters by going to my again my local comic shop. This is why look and I, I'll order things online. You know, a bag of Oreos and some soda. Order them online. I don't care. I don't need you to talk to the, the 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 person checking you out at the grocery store every week, but going to the comic shop and just having those old style, old school conversations about the things you love is is a, is a great information exchange. It's a great opinion exchange for me. And I was talking to uh, my guy who manages uh, my shop. Uh, names his name's Chris, and, and Chris is Chris is wonderful because you meet him. You see him, and you'd never judge a book on, the, on his cover. You kind of—he's like me. He's kind of a burly, grumpy dude. You think he just kind of has that aura about him. Yeah, you know, I got a feeling that guy might not like uh, Rise of Skywalker or not root for Ray. And then you talk to him, and that's not true. He's an EU guy. He's been reading and studying Star Wars for years, like me. But you know, he's way more into EU and Legend stuff than than I am by far. And so sometimes. Even I am guilty, not even, like, often I am guilty of not prejudging, but being pre-concerned about having a Star Wars conversation. It's like, hey, have you read the uh, Clone uh, Clone Trooper books by Karen Tavis? I, I'm immediately like, oh, God, I've heard they're great, but I also know that a lot of people use that as a basis to not like the Clone Wars, you know? But in talking with him, he's there. He's always even said, I look for what's good in Star Wars stories, and, and that's what I try to focus on. I'm like, brother, we're going to be friends. And here I am going to the comic shop and he's done an amazing job. I even mentioned on a, on a recent episode here of he's like, hey, here's uh, whether we mail him out for because during the pandemic, I've been I've been uh, the height of the lockdown, especially I've been ordering and having him mail out the comics. He'll put them in order. War of the Bounty Hunters. It's it's kind of a confusing crossover event. So he'll put them in order. He'll take great care to be like this issue, that issue, this issue, this issue. And I know Marvel is like a checklist in the back, but he, just, he doesn't want me to have to flip to the back. He just read these in these order. I'll leave a little note. So we were chatting about that stuff, and he goes, what do you think about this War of the Bounty Hunter series? I go, yeah, yeah, I do that thing. Whenever, you know, we all raise our the pitch of our voice and do that, you know, you know, you know. And uh, he says, you get it, I get it. But he goes, you know, I was a little worried. Uh, it's, it's, it's hallowed ground. I'm paraphrasing him a bit, but Chris was like, it's, it's hallowed ground. Empire to Return of the Jedi, Boba Fett, Han and Carbonite. 
Leia, Luke, and Chewie, and Lando going to get him. The droids. It's 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 hallowed ground. But, and he said this. He says, "Look, look, something happened in about that year's time, roughly, yeah, the time between the two movies, which." Star Wars timelines, just in general conversation, can be confusing, but that's roughly it, right? Three years, New Hope Empire, a year, some months, maybe a little less, a little more for, for Jedi and Empire. He said something happened in that time. The fact that they were just now going to get their friend, that they had just now found the way to get their friend from Jabba's palace. And, and do we believe that Boba Fett has just been hanging out there? For a year, partying? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe took a year off, took a vacation. I could see Dengar doing that. But Boba Fett, eh, doesn't make sense. Yes, he could come and go. But, you know, 1983, these are maybe questions we had, but they weren't giant questions that we needed answers to. But now we now we have the, 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 these answers forthcoming. And he just, he just gave me this perspective of, uh, you know, they're taking a stab at answering that question. And I kind of like what they're putting out. And, and that calmed me down. It calmed me down for the series. It calmed me down. Just take it all in as a fun playground conversation about, hey, why did it take Luke and Leia, Han and uh, Lando and Chewie, excuse me, to go rescue Han? Why did it take them a bit? What happened? Boba Fett goes straight there? Well, now we're getting a canon answer. Now we're getting a fun, wild, crazy, giant crossover event with characters that didn't exist when we were first asking ourselves these questions. Dr. Afra, Sanistaros, Kira. But now we have these characters and they're being weaved into this classic story. They're being weaved into this important timeline and time frame. And it's been fun. And once again, I took my foot off the gas of uh, the freeway of driving down the freeway of doubt. And I've been able to therefore enjoy the return of Kira in a way that I seem to be setting myself up to not enjoy. I, I seem to be setting myself up to be a little bit grumpy about, this is how Kira can, I wanted Kira in a series and shoves him in a comic book. It's not what we should do. Uh, again, not everything's going to work. Not everything has to work for us Star Wars fans. But I let that all go, and I'm enjoying this wild, crazy, not to quote Steve Martin or Dan Aykroyd, but this wild and crazy series, and I'm enjoying Kira's return. It shows me that Star Wars creators, we'll see if it goes all the way up to the top. I don't know how many conversations Kathleen Kennedy's had this week about Kira. Hopefully many. But I love that there's people there that understand the love for this character, the appreciation for this character, the need for this character, not just from us as fans, but for this, from the story. The return of Crimson Dawn, what they were doing in these dormant years, where literally everyone in this comic series is saying, Crimson Dawn, I mean, they were scary at one point, but they went away. What happened? And Kira very clearly didn't go just simply hide. She didn't go get a job working at uh, the competitor to Dexter's Diner down the street. She didn't go underground she gained and grew in some way, not publicly. I'm excited about this ice, uh, tip of the iceberg storytelling. How did she kind of lay low? I mean, don't get me wrong. She's clearly laid low. Crimson Dawn has clearly done Something happened to them, and, and they figured stuff out, and they're move, they move forward in a different way. I'm intrigued to know what that is. I'm intrigued to hear the rest of the story. 
And it excites me that we're starting to get some of those answers. And then it's just great to see Kira standing before other people in great costumes, great outfits. They're on the comic page. They're wonderfully designed. They're wonderfully colored. They're wonderfully inked. But I can now see them on a Disney Plus series in my mind or see them in another movie. She looks wonderful. They've done great with the designs of that character. They really have. And it's great to see her not being someone in the shadows, someone whispering, hey, 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 I used to be someone. I, I've been a, I've been a kind of return to being a scrum rat in the, in the downtime, but now here I am. It works for other characters. Ahsoka has to kind of go low and hide and be something else and get to another point by the time we see in Rebels. Uh, Rex and, and uh, Gregor and Wolf and all these characters, Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Everyone uh, on that side, I get Makes sense with the run and hiding. Yeah, yeah, Kira has to do some running, has to do some hiding. But I like that Kira hasn't returned with some smudges on her face, some tattered rags, and been like, eh, times are tough, but I got some information that might help you. I love that Kira has returned with power. She's returned with purpose. It's a glorious return for me. I, I'm really, really excited about what they can do. Again, I'm an issue or two behind. So uh, I can't wait for even more information. But even if something happens to the character of Kira in the comic series that ends her storyline going forward into the uh, New Republic era, the sequel era, even if something happens to the character that's bad, I love now that we now have a little bit of an ending point between the end of Solo A Star Wars Story, Kira making some big, big fate-filled decisions. We have a plot we know where we're going from that moment to this grand return. She may have lost a lot of power along the way. She may have had to make some adjustments, but she is a bigger, bolder version of that character at the end of Solo. What has she learned? What has she truly lost? What has she held in her heart and thought in her mind about that smuggler on Solo? I absolutely want that. I absolutely want those answers, and I hope we'll get them. Because I think the positive response and the way they've handled the return of Kira in the War of the Bounty Hunters comics gives me hope for more Star Wars storytelling around that wonderful character. It's great to have Kira back. I'm happy to say those words. All right, on this day in Star Wars history, August 1st, 1975. According to the Star Wars app, I suggest you get it. Lucas, it's George Lucas, completes his third draft of Star Wars, now titled The Star Wars from the Adventures of Luke Starkiller. Now, no secret, I think a lot of people, if you've been around the Star Wars uh, galaxy, celebrating, watching, and taking in everything Star Wars, we know these stories. We know the legends of... uh, not Luke Starkiller, but George Lucas. First writing and crafting his crazy, wild, Flash Gordon-inspired space serial and turning it into the movie that the entire world fell in love with in 1977. But seeing this got me thinking about a few things around uh, George and uh, his early drafts, now so famous in their own way. One of the first things I wanted to talk about was J.W. Rinsler's Dark Horse, the Star Wars series. This 
came out in 2014. Now, J.W. Rinsler, if you aren't familiar with him, you should be. Ah, man, just check out all the wonderful work that he has done. A lot of the great, those great behind-the-scenes books, the making-ofs from a few years ago. Just wonderful stuff. And and he is... uh, it was recently announced that he is battling, uh, really battling pancreatic cancer. Uh, they were making end-of-life plans, and his daughter announced a GoFundMe that uh, was uh, very successful to help get them some funds to to ease the burden of, of uh, this transition uh, to the next uh, the next the next spot down the road for Mr. Rensler. Um, it's heartbreaking. It's tragic. It's unfortunately a part of life, and what uh, will remain. For us as fans is the great work and the great insights that uh, JW, John and Jonathan W. Rinsler has put out there. And the focus should understandably be on those making of books. But he wrote uh, the Dark Horse adaptation of George's original draft from Star Wars. This is the one from about 1974. What was it? About 72, 73 that George grabbed out uh, that yellow pad of paper and started scribbling down some notes on the uh, characters uh, that would eventually be the ones we all fell in love with. Uh, Mike Mayhew illustrated the series. It was edited by Rand, uh, Randy Stradley. It was. It's one of the last things. It came out in September, looks like 2013. I'm trying to get some actual numbers on that. It went into 2014. It was one of the last things that Dark Horse put out, along with that uh, short uh, and wonderful Darth Maul series based on some Clone Wars uh, scripts uh, that Dark Horse put out before the big switch. This was obviously after the sale, and there were some things still out there. Then uh, April 2014, they announced that uh, what is old will now be old and new will begin when Star Wars canon uh, takes on a new look around that era. So, uh, you know, this might have been overlooked. You might have uh, forgotten this. I did not. I I would go to Earth 2 in Northridge, California and pick these up. It's an eight-issue comic book series. As I said, yes, I can confirm, launched in September 2013. Thank you, uh, Wikipedia. Uh, what a source of information. They're wonderful. And now, the, this day in history, August 1st, 1975, I think that's a little bit of a different draft for George, but it's eh, got to be somewhat similar. I think by now, by 75, the Star Wars that we would all know is roughly there, maybe a little bit closer to the form, but there's still a lot of a lot of changes, right? A lot of changes. Isn't even, uh, you know, probably in one of Rinsler's uh, making of books. I, I do believe there is uh, uh, footage or, or scripts or something of even even some of the characters uh, addressing Mark Hamill's Luke Skywalker as Luke Starkiller. I, you know, you never really know what's true or not in these uh, Star Wars legends from behind the scenes. But this is true. This adaptation is true. And what I love about this, and, and I, I, I love this series. It is so wild. It is so different, but also still the Star Wars we know. It speaks to the power, the power of continued creativity. And the idea that, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to spin this into conversations about planning and the plans for Star Wars, but it, it, it's kind of in that kind of in that conversation, this idea of the the continued creativity. You don't just dump it all out onto a legal pad or onto a word processor or onto a typewriter, depending on when you uh, sat down to write your opus. It doesn't end there. We know that. And it doesn't end on the set. It doesn't end in the editing room. And it doesn't end for George even years later. The power of continued creativity is 
is a must if you're a creative. It's, it, it's a must if you're sitting down to build these worlds. And I love that George had this wild, crazy Star Wars story, the adventures of the Star Wars. And it didn't work, and it didn't, uh, he didn't sit on it. And uh, I love that uh, he continued to sculpt and continued to create all the way up to the McClunky of it all. Just listen to how far, but also how close he was. If you allow me, if you don't mind, I'm going to read the uh, crawl, so to speak, the description of this eight-issue series. It's wonderful. Aquilae, home of Princess Leia, is targeted by the Empire for conquest due to its advanced cloning technologies. The Aquilean king learns of the plot from one of his spies, Klieg Whitson who is an operative on the imperial capital planet Alderaan. In defense of his world, the Aquilin king attacks the Empire's space fortress, causing a pair of droids to crash down onto the inhospitable Junlin wastes region of the planet. The king dies shortly thereafter, moving Princess Leia into the position of the Empire's target for a puppet ruler, Anakin Starkiller is now Padawan to Luke Skywalker, and the pair travel to protect the princess. After rescuing her, the pair lead her through the jungle and waste of the spaceport town Gordon, where they meet Han Solo. In this story, Solo is an Aurelian, a tall reptilian with a reputation for hunting Wookiees on their home planet of Yavin. Solo, an old friend of Kane Starkiller, charters a freighter off-world, captained by an individual named Valorum. While escaping from Imperial patrols, Kane dies, sacrificing himself to save the others, and Valorum is revealed as a Sith Knight. After escaping from Valorum by stealing an Imperial ship, the protagonists are chased through an asteroid field and forced to land on the Wookiee homeworld. There, they align with the Wookiees, who are in the midst of fighting Eurelians, and meet a Wookiee named Chewbacca. The group gathers at the home of a pair of anthropologists, Owen and Baru Lars, where Leia is recaptured by Imperial forces and taken to the Space Fortress. I guess not quite a hidden fortress. Rushing back to Aquilae to save Leia, Anakin dons Stormtrooper armor to infiltrate the Space Fortress, but is captured in the process. A largely off-screen Darth Vader orders Valorum to kill Starkiller, but Valorum has a change of heart and sets Starkiller free. Starkiller rescues Leia and escapes just in time as Luke Skywalker leads a squadron of fighters piloted by Wookiees to destroy the Space Fortress. Returning to Aquilae, now Queen Leia appoints Anakin Starkiller, Lord Protector of Aquilae. Oh, that is an amazing, an amazing summary of George Lucas almost having the story down to where he wanted it to be. It's all there. And this is stuff I, I know I've mentioned it before. I always cite the name Mace Windy, which pops up, which pops up in, in drafts of a lot of Lucas's scripts. Uh, the Planet Naboo. It's all there. If you've ever written a script or a book or any kind of story and you go through these kind of changes, maybe you were a kid in high school jotting down a dream project, you'll find 10, 15 years later, you'll you'll pull a post-it note out of a binder and be like, Klieg Whiteson, wait, I could use that name, Valorum. I've always loved that name, Valorum. I'll find a way to get that into another project. It's no different with George Lucas. 
These names, these planets, these characters, these species, it was all there. He just needed to whittle it all down. And this story itself, just on the surface, it, it's not too bad there. It's kind of what we uh, do come to know and love. And if you read the comic, it's so weird when you read it. When I, when I just read this description, it sounds to me like, oh, okay, this, is kind of the, this is kind of the new hope we know, right? You read the comic and the designs and Han Solo being reptilian, all those kind of things. You see these names that you're familiar with or names that you've heard in the lore of behind-the-scenes stuff. It just it does a little thing on your mind. It, it just kind of kind of warps your head a little bit. So, so it seems like you're reading this amazingly different story, but it's all there. It's all almost there. But the power of continued creativity, it's almost more important than just the initial burst of creativity. So you're going to take your story, you're going to take your world, and you're going to keep telling it. You're going to keep finding the better way to tell it. You're going to get to set, and you're going to figure it out. You're going to get turn the page, and you're going to figure it out. And then you're going to finish it, and you go back and think, no, 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 it's not. we're not done. We're not done. Eh, releases 15, 20 years after special editions. I understand the conversations around that. I understand about leaving art as is in the era. I really do. Uh, I just love that George Lucas is not quite done. He wasn't quite done. Who knows? With McClunky, I think it unveiled that maybe even George has some uh, secrets out there for all of us to take in. Check it out. J.W. Rensler's Dark Horse, the Star Wars series, if you haven't already. Highly recommend it for Star Wars fans. All right, let's wrap up this episode of Spotlight Star Wars, a monologue from me to you and you are the wonderful four of friends that celebrate Star Wars with us. Wanted to leave with a Star Wars quote to grow on. Going back to episode one, the wisdom of Shmi Skywalker. Joseph and I love diving in to the wisdom of Shmi and an important thing she said in Phantom Menace that really do connect to so many other parts of the Star Wars story and are tremendously important to the character of Anakin Skywalker turned Darth Vader, which puts her wisdom often at the center of Star Wars. I love the quote to Anakin, you can't stop the change any more than you can stop the suns from setting. Now, you can giggle at these suns because of the twin suns of Tatooine, but you can't stop the change. We can ruminate a lot about young Anakin wanting to be a Jedi, having dreams about being a Jedi, and coming back and freeing his mom and freeing the slaves and coming back for... Coming back for good reasons. If you read the novel of Phantom Menace, it's very pre uh, present there. But it's also present in the film. He, he does talk about that kind of stuff. And that is change and change he has to go through. When it finally comes down to it, the great scene of him walking away and the don't look back and all those kind of uh, heart-wrenching moments in Phantom Menace. I just love this quote from Shmi about you can't stop the change because change, even when positive, can hurt. Change can be challenging. Change is challenging, especially if you always up against it, and you're always fighting it. I think Anakin, at nine years old, had a pure view of change. It just was hard. It was emotional. He didn't completely understand it. But it clearly festered and, and clearly grew, and clearly along the way, maybe he had some, I don't know, incorrect advice, well-intentioned advice. He had people around him who wanted the best for him. and Some delivered on that as best they could, and some failed to deliver on that idea of uh, caring for the path of Anakin Skywalker. That's how Palpatine got in there. I mean, that joke, we can make jokes about, we'll watch your career closely. Palpatine, for lack of, uh, <laughs> lack of a better way of looking at it, Palpatine was invested 
when others maybe weren't. But if Anakin had just gone back and really taken in all the things his uh, mom had, had, had told him, and, and I, think, I think the core of it's there. I, I, I really do believe a lot of Shmi's wisdom does drive his change in the end. But uh, you can't stop the change. It's something that should not just uh, resonate for Anakin. It should resonate for us. A lot going on in the world right now. A lot of nuanced conversations to have about uh, changes all over the world. I'm there for those conversations. But at the end of the day, a lot of what I see out there is people not listening to Shmi. You can't stop the change. But you can certainly use it to grow from, to grow with, to ask yourself deep questions about who you are and what you are now and what you want to be then. It's painful and it's challenging. It's tough. Sometimes it's tragic. But you can't stop the change. You got to go forward. You can't look back. We all should listen to Shmi Skywalker. I'll see you next time on Spotlight Star Wars. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. We love throwing up some episodes on YouTube as kind of a rebroadcast if you like listening to things over there. We don't do all the episodes at this point, but maybe one day. We're on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. You can get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash Force Center. You can get merch if you want, like a good Speculate Responsibly t-shirt at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can also support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. And yeah, don't forget, episode 1000 is on the way. Not of Spotlight Star Wars. Not of Star Wars Rank. Not a databank brawl. Not a happy beeps. Not the Jedi beep. Not even the main show, the Superstar Driver Fleet, the 1,000th overall broadcast of Force Center is coming very soon. And we want to celebrate with all of you, especially those who support us on Patreon. All right, that's it for this week. We'll see you next time here in Spotlight Star Wars. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.